We are still over in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. We've been looking at this the last couple of weeks. Starting, of course, way back over in John chapter 15, when Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. We are of the true vine, and that's where we are to be and to produce from some fruit from that. There was a story of, uh, told of a person who bought a red flowering crab apple tree. They carefully planted it in the backyard, but it didn't exactly thrive. In fact, uh, one by one, the leaves started to drop. And the husband of the woman who bought it, who really wanted this flowering crab apple tree, was really discouraged, and she was ready to just uh, throw it, uh, you know, dig it up and throw it out and put something else there. But the husband said, "No, no, no. We just need to keep on going. Let's uh, let's give it some time." So the next spring, it did better. Some leaves came out, but there were no flowers. Went through the whole year, and there was no flowers. And so the husband said at the end, he says, "Well, maybe it's just not one of the flowering kind. Maybe it's a non-flowering flowering crabapple tree." Because every once in a while you run into some that just don't flower. And they said, let's still give us a little bit more time. Let's keep it there. So they kept it there throughout the next year and into the third year and went through the third year and there were still no flowers in the spring. They looked for flowers, but no flowers on their flowering crabapple tree. And this really discovers the woman because she's been enduring this all this, all this time and still no, no flowers. And the husband said, uh, uh, now, you just, just be patient. We'll just wait a little bit longer. And they waited. And towards the end of spring, they came on out and they saw these little red buds that were growing up inside the branches. And so it was late, but it looked like the flowers were coming. And uh, years later, every single year, they had flowers on their flowering crabapple tree. It just took some patience. It took some time. And she said, every time I look out that, I think of the long suffering and the patience we had to have with that tree in order to get the flowering crabapple tree the flower. It says in the Word of God in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We're going to look most particularly at long-suffering and kindness here. And today, the two things will go together in the areas that we, we want to see. But we're going to first off take a look at long-suffering. Long-suffering comes from a fun Greek word, makrothumia, makrothumia, we get our, our word, uh, well, it's actually made up of two things here, made up of uh, from macros, which means long, and thumos, which means temper. How many of you all remember when we covered the end times teaching, we looked at the different words for wrath for God? And one of the strongest words for wrath for God was this word thumos. And this is talking about having a long time until you get to that place of thumos. We get our word macaroni from this, this word macros, meaning long noodle. So every time you think of, see some macaroni, you can think of this particular word. And remember, forbearance. It means forbearance, patience, and long-suffering. Thayer's uh, Greek lexicon adds this to it, slowness in avenging wrongs. Slowness in avenging wrongs. So many other words that carry this, and we've looked at some of these uh, when we went through and we, we covered all of them. But here, in Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> uh, verse 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. That we need to have this attribute of long suffering. Now, last week we were looking at the, the aspect of love. 
that how we are to walk with, with God, he said, first and foremost, if you're going to obey the commandments, first and foremost, the greatest commandment is to love, love the Lord your God. That is first and foremost, we are to love the Lord our God. Second, he said, the second is likened to it. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so from these two verses, we derive that there are three people that we are to love and there is an order to them. That first off, we are to love the Lord our God. Secondly, we are to love others and we are to love ourselves. We cannot go through this life not loving ourselves. We cannot go through this life not loving others, nor can we go through this life not loving God. But first and foremost, we love God. Secondly, we love others. And then we also love ourselves. Now that's the ranking that we should have. And when you, how many of y'all have things in your house that are ranked? And when push comes to shove and you need to get rid of something and you have things ranked, well, we'll either get rid of this or this. Well, I like this better. Right? So if you have a choice where loving others interferes with loving God, which do you pick? We love God first and foremost. That's why Jesus said, the highest part of all, the, the first commandment, the greatest one, is to love the Lord your God. Now we serve and we love other people by... Or, but we love God by, by, by loving other people. If I'm going to walk in love towards God, I walk in love towards other people. If I'm going to serve God, I'm going to serve other people. Those are things we went over last week. But here in this area of long-suffering and kindness. So we mentioned before, sometimes we get the idea of long-suffering is to suffer for a long time. Right? How many times? How many people think that? I am to suffer for a long time. That's the word we get. The word is long-suffering. But what the word actually means is long in coming to thumos. But we come out with a meaning for ourselves that I should suffer for a long time. How many of you have people in your life that cause you to suffer? And we look at us as being in there. We are enduring with these people and I am suffering. Glory to God, I am long-suffering for God. Right? And you, you grit your teeth and you smile. But you're growling on the inside and you're smiling on the outside. Does that resemble fruit? Because Galatians says that, that long-suffering is one of the, the, the fruits that God's looked for. The fruit is love, but an offspring of that love is long-suffering. Do you see the resemblance of the love of God? Loving God first, loving others, and loving myself after that. Do we see any of that in suffering long? If I go through what most people go through in suffering long, am I not loving myself first, and then others, and then God? I'm not going about it in the right way. Because first off, I'm not doing it God's way. And then secondly, I'm not really loving these other people. I'm loving myself. I want people to look at me for who I am. Look how good I am. Look how long-suffering I am. No, that's not where we need to be. We need to understand how this word is to be applied in our life so that we actually get the fruit of it. And the glory to God, the, the way it's supposed to work is a whole lot easier than the way we've been working it. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. 
How many of you have joy with your suffering long? When those people come into your life and they say the things that they do or they do the things that they do and you're smiling, growling underneath, but smiling. How many of you have joy with that? Do you feel joy? How many when those people that cause long suffering in your life are, are approaching you? How many of you feel a swell of joy on the inside? Look who's coming. But look what this verse says. Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. We are strengthened with His might according to His glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. There's joy. So if we are not experiencing joy with our long suffering, how many of y'all know it's probably not working the way that it is supposed to be? If you all, how many of y'all subscribe to a TV service? Anybody here? Then we all probably subscribe to different ones. You know, some people have a satellite one. Some people have a cable one. Some people have whatever you might, might have in there. And then some folks just have the antennas up on the roof or maybe just the rabbit ears on the TV. And we just pull in whatever we can. But if you pay for a subscription to a TV and you are subscribed to 500 stations, then that's on the 500 stations. But when you actually tune the TV, you can only get three. How many of you feel gypped? How many of you will put up with that? Aren't you on the phones of the cable service? I'm only getting three channels. And I don't like two of them. Aren't you on the phone to them right away? I want to get more. We were paying for 500. I'm getting three. This needs to change. We need to get the, get the thing working. Well, if God's plan has long suffering with joy and you're getting the long suffering, but you're not getting the joy, how many of you want to be on the phone? Let's find out. Why? There's no joy here. We're not doing it right. Somehow we haven't hooked something up right. And we've got to hook something up differently. Get it going better. Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Look at what he says here in this one. Therefore, as the elect of God. How many are the elect of God? All right, we've got to pray for the rest of you. As the elect of God, holy and beloved. As the elect of God, we are holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. There's our word we're looking for. There's our long-suffering word. Same word we saw in Galatians. But he says here, put on. Put on. Now, when you got dressed today, how many of you opened up your closet? And you decided amongst all the things that you have to wear, which ones you wanted to wear today. And did you not then decide, I'm going to wear that one. And once you decide that that's what you're going to wear, it doesn't just happen, does it? What do you have to do? You've got to put it on. It takes effort. It takes something. Now, for, for me, it's dark when I get dressed, so I try and pick out all my stuff the night before and then put it in a certain spot so I can get to it. But just because I picked it out and put it in a certain spot, what do I have to do? I have to put it on. It doesn't just happen. But so many Christians think that because I am a Christian, 
long suffering should happen. I should just fall into the right kind of stuff. And if I am suffering long, this is just the way that it is. No, you must put on as the elect of God, you're already born again, holy and beloved, put on. You've got to put on the right kind of long suffering because the kind that falls into your lap normally is not the God kind. Because the God kind, God kind comes with what? Joy! <laughs> but our long suffering, how many of y'all know, long suffering, I have no joy. Just suffering. I'm not joyful when I see them coming up and thinking, oh, what are they going to put me through today? Oh, what am I going to have to go through with this one today? Oh, what are they going to ask me for now? So therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. That's a lot of things, right? Well, why do I need so many things? I should just put on one or two. Well, no. I mean, when you lay out your stuff, I know when I lay out my stuff, and I'll tell you what, I'm a just a, I am a creature of habit and order. And so when I put all these things out, I have determined places for where everything goes. And I actually count them. On Sunday night, because I have, alright, I need these four things, and they go here. And I actually gather them up. One, two, three, four. Every time I do it, I go the same way. One, two, three, four. Four things, and they go in here. And then I have two other things. I need, you know, I need the, 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 the suit and the shirt. And that goes here. And then I have the tie and the belt. And that goes here. And then I have the, belt, the boots that I put on. And they go here. And I can do it blindfolded. When I get dressed in the morning, I don't need any, any light at all. Because I can go exactly to where I need to go. Here are these two things. Here are these four things. Here are these other things. And I can just put them all on. I can be, have my eyes closed. I can be blind and go out there and grab everything I need to go and, and put it all on. But of course, it's, it's all out there. But it's a lot of things. You know, we don't just grab an outfit and, and that's it. There's a whole lot of other parts to come to it. And it's the same thing here with, with Christianity. He says, put on tender mercies. Not just long-suffering. He says tender mercies. Add them in there. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And then he goes on. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. we got to bear with one another. Who's he talking about? Not just people. Who? Christian people. Believers. Again, we've told you before, they're some of the most challenging people to love. Christian people. But the world will know that we're saved because we love Christian people. <laughs> Not just the world. That's how the world's going to know it. We've got to love each other. We've got to be bearing with one another. But in the church too often, there's not a whole lot of bearing with. We hear what other people have to say and then once they go away, we start, oh, those people. Oh, those. I can't believe they do that. That's not bearing with, is it? That's why we don't have joy. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 16. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Jesus was a pattern for us for long-suffering. He was a pattern for us. We can use Jesus as how we are to be operating in long-suffering. And we don't just have Jesus as a pattern. We also have another. Look over at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 10. 
But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. This is Paul speaking. And Paul says, you have carefully followed, you have patterned yourself after my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Now, without long-suffering, we become frustrated. How many have been frustrated in your life? Just use your inside hand. Don't use your outside hand. We become frustrated in life. We become frustrated with other people. Why do we become frustrated? Because we are not long-suffering the way we're supposed to. What we're doing is gritting our teeth and burying it. If you grit your teeth and bear it, you will become frustrated. Now, the purpose of long-suffering from, the, from God's point of view, the purpose of long-suffering is to help the other people. Isn't that right? Isn't that why you long-suffer? Aren't you hopeful that maybe somewhere down the road they might change? They might get better? But if they don't, then you get frustrated. And we become frustrated. And we frustrate those around us. If we are not, if we are without long suffering, the godly kind of long suffering, if we are without it, we will frustrate ourselves and we will frustrate the people that are around us. How many of you like to hang out with people that frustrate you? If we are frustrating the people that are around us, then how much are they going to want to be around us? And this works for all kinds of folks. All kinds of people, not just church-going people. Husbands and wives. They may be going to church too. But husbands and wives can frustrate each other. They can be gritting their teeth and burying each other at times. And that's not, that's, that's not the way God wants us to go. There can be no joy in that home. How many of y'all know children can frustrate you? Why do children frustrate you? Because you want them to go in this direction, but they keep going in that direction. And you suffer long, but there's no change. But you want to see them go here and you get frustrated. And after a while, the kids get frustrated with you and then they don't want any part of you. Why? Because you speak to them as one frustrated. And they hear and become frustrated that you're frustrated with them. Right? And we're not going the direction we want. We're not seeing the, the thing happen that we need to have happen. And there's no joy. There's no joy in long-sufferingville for us. But there can be. Remember the Scripture? What did it say? Strength with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with... <laughs> so we got two examples that were given here in Timothy that we can follow after. But long-suffering can bring out in those around us a number of things. First off, long-suffering. If we suffer the way, or we operate in long-suffering the way that God wants us to operate in, which actually the word is a long time until you thumos, until you get into that area of wrath. There is a long time until you get into that area of wrath. That is not the idea of damming up the wrath. It is a long time until you get to that place of wrath. Would that describe your long-suffering with people in your life? the children in your life. Is it a long time until wrath? Or is it short? Husbands and wives, is it a long time until wrath? Or is it minutes? <laughs> Neighbors, co-workers, fellow believers, 
Is it a long time until wrath rises up on the inside of you or is it short? If it's short, you're not long-suffering because the word is macrothumos, a long time until wrath. But see, we're, we're, we're thinking, we're walking right if I'm holding back the wrath. And this is where the frustration comes in because I'm holding back the wrath and trying to help out over here. I'm holding back the wrath. I got one arm holding back the wrath and another one over here. Have you ever carried big stuff out a door? And the big stuff requires two hands and the door requires one. And so what do you do? You try and, you know, if no one else is around, we're just talking about, you know, if it's, if it's you there, and it's you, you're trying to hold the door and hold it. And that's not working. And so we try and push the door, grab the thing, and try and get on out. And then the thing bangs and slams into it or, you know, we break the glass. And what, what results from this? Frustration. I can't get this done. I need to get this out the door. I need both hands to pick it up. I need a hand to hold the door open. Then they came up with those little door stops, you know. But if you didn't think of the door stop until you came up to the door with the thing, it's not helping you out. But that's how frustration come in because we're trying to hold back the door and carry the thing at the same time. And it's just not working. We're just not quite getting there. Chris and I were delivering a, a, a bed the other day. Oh, it was a big, it was a very, it was one of the largest beds we have made in a long time. And <clears throat> when we got there and we saw the stairwells, we said, oh dear. <laughs> oh, we could be in trouble on this one. Because it was a very small stairwell and it was a very big bed. And then when you get up to the top of the stairwell, it was not even a right angle turn. It was a greater than right angle turn. And it again, it was a really big bed. And then we had the, the full-size monkey board to go with it. Then we had to get that up the stairs and make the turn in the corner and all that sort of stuff. And so normally when we do the bunky boards, he grabs one, I grab the other. But on this phone, we decided, you know what? It is probably better that we both grab an end and we go up. And so we, and we did that even for the, the, the latter sides. We said we, normally we carry just one up at a time. And it's probably better off that we just take one up at a time. And we did. And there was no frustration. It was easy. We carried it right on up. But if I was doing one and he was doing the other, we would probably uh, uh, get frustrated. But you see, we didn't get frustrated. We got it right up there. We got into the room. We put it together. And everybody was happy. Long-suffering can bring out some characteristics in those that are around us if we're operating in the right way. If you're not seeing these characteristics, then it might be you are not long-suffering the way that God says you are suffering long. But God wants us to be a long time before the wrath comes in. Long-suffering can bring out... Those around us, first off, commitment. If you operate in long-suffering the way God asks you to operate, you will bring out commitment in other people. Have you ever noticed that some leaders, that some people, that some friends endear people to such a degree that they are committed like you've never seen? Some generals that have gone through this country, they have men who say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll die for this. If he says go up there and take that hill and I'm sure that I'll die, I'll go ahead and do it. Why? 
Because there's something in them that did it. There are some coaches on teams that when they ask something of a player, they'll do it. But then there's other coaches and you ask them of the, of the team and they won't. They, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want to do it. The, the Philadelphia Flyers, not all of you are hockey fans, but they had a coach. And this coach moves around the league on a regular basis. I think the longest he has ever been with one team is four years. He wears out the team. And his whole idea is to get the team to despise him as a coach. And he unites the team against him. So that the entire team hates him. And he generates energy in the area of hate and disgust. And this coach has gone from team to team to team with this strategy. But it's able to work and you'll probably go to the Stanley Cup Finals in two or three years. But if you, he won't last much longer than that because the team itself will, will pick him up and throw him out of the building. Some of you know who I'm talking about. He's very well known. If you know the individual, you know exactly who I, I'm talking about. There's only one guy I know of who operates this way. And the Philadelphia Flyers had him for a little while and sure enough, we went to the Stanley Cup playoffs with him and he was gone about a year after that. He was out of here. But that's, that's how he motivated people. He motivated people against himself and that they would unite together against him. And that was his strategy. But see, the team was not committed to him. The team was frustrated with him. The team was angry. There was no commitment there. If you want to get people to be committed to you, go after God's way. Be a long time until Thumos. Oh, people will start... You know what? They, they really love me. I understand that I could be frustrating them, but they really love me. They are long-suffering. A long time before wrath. As a mentor to people, you will find more commitment from them. Second thing is dedication. You will find that they have more, uh, more dedication to a cause. The cause that you are mentoring them in. The cause that you are leading them into. If you are long-suffering. If there is a long time before wrath. And thirdly, the endurance. They will be able to endure correction. Parents, if you want your children to endure correction better, you have got to get the long-suffering part down because they will endure correction from you a whole lot better. Works with teachers and students. Works with mentors and those that are being mentored. But commitment, dedication, endurance, these are just some of the things that you'll see. There'll be more as well. But over in Galatians, it talked about not only long-suffering, a long time before wrath, but it also talked about gentleness from Christotes. It means goodness of heart, kindness. That comes from the Vines Expository Dictionary. Goodness of heart and kindness. Another puts it this way, to show kindness or to be friendly to others. To show kindness or to be friendly to others. Again, we did some of the things with this word last week, but Romans 2.4, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. We have an example of goodness in God. Same way we have an example of goodness in God. We have an example of, of long-suffering in God. We have an example of long-suffering in Paul. We have an example of long-suffering in Jesus. We have an example of goodness here in God as well. An example we can follow. Romans 11.22 Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. Severity but towards you goodness. So there is goodness and there's severity. 
Of those two, which side do you want? <laughs> I like the goodness side. Samaritan, nah, not so much. Let's go with the goodness side. There's a goodness side, but understand this about God. He is not all goodness. There is a severity side. Some parents are out there, some uh, teachers and others that are in an area where discipline used to be in, in uh, practice. Then they always want to be on the goodness side. We got teachers out there that can't use red ink anymore because red ink has bad connotations. We have uh, uh, prescriptions for teachers out there. You can't fail anybody anymore. There can't be a wrong answer. And, and you know, kids aren't learning things because there are wrong answers in life. And if you get the thing wrong, you should mark it wrong. <laughs> right? That's what I think. If you get it wrong, it should be wrong. Poor teachers have to be out there trying to make a wrong answer seem like it's right. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Hmm. Trying to get all on the goodness side. God does not have all just, just goodness in there. There is severity in God as well. You mess up, there's going to be some severity in there. There's going to be some problems. There's going to be some stuff going on. And you can't just always be good, good nature. You can't always just have a good side to it. There has to be a severity side as well. But there is a good side. And with long suffering should be this goodness that comes in. Severity can come, but too often we're, we're too quick on that one. Because it comes out of our flesh and not out of our spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 6, But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and sleeplessness and fastings by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, goodness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love. Both of those words, long-suffering and kindness, are the same words we're looking at here. But Paul puts this in the ministry aspect. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. And these things are aspects of the ministry. Long-suffering and kindness are part of your ministry to other people in the body of Christ. It is part of your ministry to God. When you are long-suffering, not suffering long, but when you are long-suffering towards your wife, towards your kids, towards your co-workers, towards the people you go to church with, you are operating the way God wants. You're operating in a ministry. You are ministering to your wife. You are ministering to your husband. You are ministering to your children. You're ministering to your neighbor. You're ministering to those that are around you. Operate in ministry with long suffering and with kindness. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. We talked about this aspect before. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Same words there, kindness and and, and long-suffering as we've been going on to. You must put on long-suffering and you must put on kindness. It doesn't come automatically. The kindness or the things that you have going on the inside of you, the goodness, the kindness that you have going on the inside is not necessarily the God kind. You've got to put it on. You weren't born with it. That's why you put it on. You weren't born with the clothes you have in your closet. That's why you go in there and you put them on. This word can mean being adaptable to others. This word can mean 
being adaptable to others, particularly when this word is used in talking about human relationships. It can mean being adaptable to others. Too often, as Christians, we expect other people to adapt to us. Don't we do that with our spouses? Well, this is the way I am. They ought to just go. They ought to just know. No, we adapt to our spouse. You know what? You also adapt to your children. How many know each of your children are different? <laughs> they didn't come out of the same mold. They're all different. And you have to adapt to them. Each one requires different things. They hear love different ways. They receive discipline in different ways. You have to adapt to them. This word can, can mean being adaptable to others. Instead of making others adapt to us, we need to adapt to their needs. We've got to find a way to adapt to their needs. How is it that we adapt? I got to adapt my, I got to take myself and say, well, you know, my wife, my husband, my kids, they don't like it when I'm this way. I got to, I got to, I got to adapt. I got to change it, change over. And you can do that. Paul used to do this. Look at these scriptures. Paul talks about his own, his own self in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a... Is that not adaptation? That I might win Jews. To those under the law, as under the law. That I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law. Not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. So we adapt ourselves to other people. We need to adapt ourselves to other people. You cannot always just be the same. It is your role to be the one who adapts. The stronger one adapts. The weaker one does not. Are you stronger or are you weaker? It is the stronger one who adapts. So you gotta, you gotta change yourself out. How are you going to minister to the most people? I've told you this story before, but one of the first places I saw this principle come in line was over in Ken's Pizza. And a fellow by the name of Tony. Tony was a hard guy. Tough, hard, downright nasty at times. And, you know, I'm just generally, for the most part, nice. And Tony, he's not that way. Tony, out of his mouth, came some very harsh criticisms some very harsh things. And I had to adapt to Tony. If I was going to win Tony, I had to adapt to Tony. And so being nice, wasn't cutting it with Tony. So I had to become something that Tony could understand. And so I adapted myself to Tony when I was around Tony. And when we were doing things, I think one of the first things I did to him was, uh, you know, I understood he would, he would come in we would work together on a Friday night shift, but on a Saturday, he worked the morning shift and I worked the evening shift. And he was a good, he was mean, but he was a good worker. He could run the ovens. He could run the make table. He didn't like to run the ovens. He loved to run the make table, but he could run the ovens. He was a good worker. He was not supersonic fast, but efficient as all get out. And he was, he's just downright good. Now I was supersonic fast, but not as efficient as Tony. 
And so when we worked together on Friday, he ran the make table, I ran the ovens. His goal was to make me lose it on the ovens. My goal was to keep coming over to him and says, I got some room over here. Don't you have a pizza for it yet? <laughs> and so we would always be going back and forth, busting on each other. I'd take a pizza out of the oven. I'd slap it down in front of him and say, did they ask for two pepperonis on top of each other? And so this helped soften it up a little bit between Tony and I. And he would look at my ovens and he said, did they ask for that bubble in that pizza? And we'd be, we'd be going back and forth. But I had to adapt to Tony. And so one of the days, Tony came on in and says, you know what, you guys on the Saturday morning crew, you need to make boxes. He says, we always, uh, you know, the, the Friday night crew, because Tony left early. He left early. He left at 8 o'clock because he was in all day on, real early on, on Saturday. So he left at 8 o'clock. He says, you guys on the Friday night crew, you need to make some boxes so we don't have to make boxes and do all the prep work and make the dough and serve the customers and wash the dishes and get everything ready for you guys at nighttime. So we, that particular day, we had a particularly slow Friday night. And so what we did was, I was in charge of the shift. And so um, I said, all right, whoever is not needed to w- wait on customers or make pizzas or anything like that, make boxes. We made boxes all night long. We made every single box we had in the store. <laughs> there was no more boxes left to be made. We made every single box. Now, when a box is not made, it's flat. But when you make it, it's, it stands up about this much. And so you have to have a place to put the boxes. And so we put the boxes on the make table. We put the boxes on the cutting table. We put the boxes on the oven. We put the boxes on the make table, on the, on the prep table. We put the boxes where you wash dishes. We put the boxes on the tables where the customers sat. We put the boxes on the floor. We put the boxes on the countertop. We put the boxes on the waitress station. We put the boxes every single place there was. There was boxes all over. When he came in Saturday morning, he saw boxes everywhere. And they had no room to work. They couldn't make the stuff up because the, make, the prep table was all full of boxes. They couldn't make pizzas because the, the make table was full of boxes. They couldn't cut pizzas because the cutting table was full of boxes. You couldn't start up the oven because the oven was covered in boxes. And you have boxes out in the, in the customer area. There's boxes all over. So they then had the job of finding places for the boxes and getting all the prep work done, washing all the dishes, waiting all the customers and getting things ready for us at nighttime. So I came in with great anticipation that day. I actually came in a little bit early and Tony greeted me with a very, very foul look on his face. He was very upset. But underneath he was kind of smiling and laughing because we got him. (laughs) And we got him good. And we'd always been at begging for the longest time, put both of us on a Saturday morning. Because the crews that they put on Saturday mornings were never getting everything done. He says, you put us on a Saturday morning, we will have everything done. Again, Tony was a good worker. And so finally, for whatever reason they came up with it, they said, you know what, we're going to put both of you guys on this Saturday morning. The condition was I had to work through Saturday night. That was fine, we can get to work on, on Saturday morning. First time we were ever, Tony and Steve, working the Saturday morning shift. We had anticipated this for a long time, begged for it even, and finally the day came and Tony came in with a hangover. Tony couldn't work. Tony had a hangover. He had a nasty hangover. He was laying out in the booths where the customer sat trying to get rid of his hangover. His head was hurting. Everything was hurting. And he left me to do all the work while he was over there. Laying out, we're both clocked in. He's getting paid as much as I am. Probably more. He was there longer. So I went underneath. Again, I'm adapting myself to Tony. I went underneath where the 
plates are for the, the you cook the pizzas in. Because now you don't know this back 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 then. You know we had different styles of cooking things, but we had these metal trays, and you cook the pizza in the metal tray. And so we have them all stacked up, and I pulled them out and accidentally dropped them. Oh, the ringing that they make is just intense. And I proceeded to do a number of things around there to aggravate his hangover. Because we had been asking for this for so long and he came in this way. But I had to reach Tony in this way. And after continuing to badger Tony, and he badgered me and we'd go back and forth, Tony one day finally sat down with me and he had a heart-to-heart talk with me. And he said, when I was young, I used to go to church and someone prophesied over me that I would be a pastor or minister. And he walked in rebellion to that. When Tony and Chris, and they were two, uh, two dating, when they uh, they'd been dating as long as I know them, when they finally got married, they called me up. I was back here at the time, and they said, "Will you come down and marry us?" So I flew on down there, married them. They got in church. They were actually regular churchgoers. They got into church on a regular basis. And uh, why was that? Because I knew Tony wasn't going to adjust to me. I had to adjust to Tony. To the Jew, you become a Jew. To the Gentile, you become a Gentile. You hold to your Christian values, but you can change how you relate to people. If you're going to win the more, you need to do that. If you're going to relate to your spouse, you need to change. Don't sit there and wait for them to change. Adapt to them. Of the two, who is going is more likely to change, the parent or the child? <laughs> the child is not going to adapt to you. So it is your job as the parent to adapt to them. If you want to raise that child up, if that child is demonstrating frustration, who hasn't changed? Our role as parents, folks, we got to adapt. we got to become as they need us to be. Some of the examples we see for this, Moses with Israel. Moses is leading Israel. Moses adapted himself to Israel many times. He would take what God had and he'd bring it over to, to Israel. Did not Moses suffer a long time with them, but he did not come into that place of wrath. Now, once in a while, we did see him come into that. When he came down from the mountain, yes, he was angry. But most of the time, you see him with the children of Israel doing crazy, nutso things, and he would just go before the Lord, Father, forgive him. Oh, Father, don't, don't wipe him out. Did we see wrath in the area of Moses? No. Only, he did when you saw him come down from the mountain. Maybe a few other times, but most of the time, Moses just runs and pleads for the people of Israel. There doesn't seem to be wrath coming up inside of Moses. He was long-suffering. Now, there's a reason for it, and this is what we're going to get to in the end here. What is the reason, and how can we get there? Paul with the church. Now, Paul had a lot of different kinds of churches, and he had adjusted himself to every single church. He had an Ephesus that was the learning church. These folks were serious about learning about God. And then you had the Corinthian church. All they wanted to do was walk in the gifts. And they didn't care about teaching. They just wanted to be walking in the gifts. And you have all the other different churches that are out there. Each one's a little bit different. Each one has a different direction. And he had to adjust himself to that. Sometimes he had to write letters like he wrote to Galatians. Get out of what you're doing. You're not supposed to begin that. But Paul with the church, there were times that the church frustrated him. But he couldn't write out of frustration. He needed to write out of love. One time he did write out of frustration. He apologized for it. But most of the letters we have, all the letters we have, he wrote out of love to help them. There were some exhortations in them, but for the most part, he's building them up, encouraging them on their way. 
But there is a direction. There is something we need to do in order to have long-suffering be in our life. Not suffering long, because suffering long doesn't have joy. Long-suffering with kindness, gentleness. Both of those things are going to be there. We need to have them, them go on. When Moses and Israel and Paul with the church, there was a reason why they were able to suffer the way that they were. There was a reason why they came into the true kind of long suffering. If we can get a hold of this key, we can get a hold of long suffering in our life. There is a reason why you suffer for, uh, suffer for a long time and don't get angry. And here's what it is. Over here in, with Moses, with Israel, and with Paul and the, with the church, both of them received the direction. They received the direction. They had a direction to go. They received the direction from God. God gave them a direction. God gave Moses a direction. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to go into the wilderness. You're going to go towards the promised land. You're going to face this. With each one, he had a direction. He had what he was supposed to do. Paul had a direction. I want you to go and teach my people these things. He had a direction. So they received the direction. They follow the plan. And they speak the word. They receive the direction, they follow the plan, and they speak the word. This is what we need to do. If we want to get into the area of long-suffering, the way it is a fruit described in the area of Galatians, we need to receive the direction from God, follow the plan that He gives us, and speak the word that He gives us as well. Now, the direction may be something that He speaks to us directly or something we get from the word of God. Whatever it is, is the direction. Here is the direction. This is what we need to do. When we get into suffering long is when we leave the direction... We leave the plan and we look at the things that the person is doing, getting frustrated at what they are doing. That is not walking in the Spirit. That's walking in the flesh. The flesh sees the natural. The Spirit sees the supernatural. The Spirit sees beyond it. And we need to see beyond those things. Flesh sees natural, sees what's in front of me. Spirit sees beyond. What is the direction that we're going? What is the plan that we are following. And what is the word that I am to speak? With your kids, with your spouse, with your students, with your neighbors, with your co-workers, with your fellow believers, those that, I mean, you have some responsibility to help bring up. There's a direction. You know they should go either from the word of God or that God has spoken to you directly about them. There is a plan. And... There is word to be spoken. And so, you don't look at the frustrating things that the people are doing that brings you to the place of anger. You look at the plan. Alright, we need to get these people over to here. Because you all know, Moses had a whole lot of reasons to be angry with Israel way before he came down off the mountain. But he just seems to go on. Now, there are times that his anger came out and it needed to come out. There's times God's anger comes out and it needs to come out. There's time that anger as a parent comes out and it needs to come out. But oh, we got to sometimes remember long-suffering is a long time until wrath. Not holding back the wrath, but a long time before I even experience it. Because my eyes are set 
on the direction God is going, the plan He has given me, and the word that I am to speak. If I get frustrated, I'm leaving the plan. I'm doubting the plan. I'm not following the direction. I simply keep on going with the direction, the plan, and the word. Now, you may say, well, how long shall I endure that? I mean, I've been doing this for a couple of days now. And I don't see that that person's changing any. How long am I supposed to go through with this? There's a parable that Jesus told us about the vineyard. We went over a few Wednesday nights ago. And in this vineyard, we had a group of people who were running the vineyard. And when he went to collect the money, they beat them. And so he sent others. And they beat them, killed some. And he sent others and he did likewise. And finally, they sent, he sent his son. How many of you, after the first group, are done? But the parable, Jesus is making up the story so he can tell whatever he wants. He doesn't just give up after the first group. And nor did he in the Old Testament with Israel. He sent prophets after prophets after pro- generations of prophets. And they beat them and they killed them. And they didn't listen to them. God had a plan. God had a direction. And he was following it. His eyes are on the plan. His eyes are on the direction. You get your eyes off the plan. Get your eyes off the direction. You get it on the acts that the people are doing. You get frustrated. Keep your eye on the plan. What has God said to do? How many of you have ever approached God about a problem with your spouse or a problem with your kids or a problem with any other groups of people we said and God gave you a plan to deal with it? A direction. And words to say. Then you stay with it. You follow the plan. Keep on the same direction. And you speak the word that He said. And you keep going. And you keep going until God gives you different or God says quit. You keep your eyes focused on that. I wrote down some of the areas and some of the groups that you might see this with. With our children, with our spouses, with other Christians, with neighbors and co-workers. But I want to read to you this story. A story told by a teacher about a student that she had. Miss Thompson taught Teddy Stollard in the fourth grade. He was slow, unkept student, a loner shunned by his classmates. The previous year, his mother died and with little motivation for school, he may have, may have once had, was now gone. Miss Thompson didn't particularly care for Teddy either, but at Christmas time, he brought her a small present. Her desk was covered with well-wrapped presents from the other children, but Teddy came, Teddy's came in a brown paper sack. When she opened it, there was a gaudy rhinestone bracelet and half the stones were missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The children began to snicker, but Miss Thompson saw the importance of the moment and she quickly splashed some of, the, some of the perfume and put on the bracelet, pretending Teddy had given her something very special. At the end of the day, Teddy worked up enough courage to softly say, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mother. And her bracelet looks real pretty on you too. I'm glad you like my presence. After Teddy left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees and prayed for God's forgiveness. She prayed for God to use her as she ought to not only teach these children, but to love them as well. She became a new teacher. She lovingly helped students like Teddy and by the end of the year had caught up with most of his students. Miss Thompson didn't hear from Teddy for a long time. Then she received this note. Dear Mrs. Thompson, I want you to be the first to know I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy Stollard. 
Four years later, she got another note. Dear Mrs. Thompson, Miss Thompson, they just told me I will be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know. The university has not been easy, but I liked it. Love, Teddy Stollard. Four years later, dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stollard, MD. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I am getting married next month. I wanted you to come and sit where my mother would sit if she were still alive. You are the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stollard. Miss Thompson went to the wedding and sat where Teddy's mother would have sat because she let her use, let it, God use her as an instrument of encouragement. Huh. Teddy's. We all have them and they disguise themselves brilliantly as frustrating little packages. We don't know how to read the gifts they give in the brown paper sacks. But if we misread them, we do great damage. How many teddies have come into our life and we didn't see them because we were not long-suffering? I'm sure that Mrs. Thompson had much suffering to do with Teddy after the gift. But how many of y'all know she faced it with a lot more joy? You know why? Because before she was suffering long. Now she was long-suffering. Would y'all stand up with me? Oh, Father God, your patience with us, the example you have set for us, is so great. May we come close to living up to the example of what you have set, what you have done. You are an awesome God. Your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your long-suffering is truly great. There are many people that will come upon our life that will give us opportunities like Miss Thompson had. There are people who have come in. There are people who will come in. But Father, we need to follow the pattern of Your Word and have the fruit of long-suffering in our life. The fruit of a long time until wrath. Not holding back the wrath because people can sense that. But true love that comes out and sees beyond the paper sack. Beyond the slowness. Beyond all the other things that are in the way and just love them. We do this not because teddies in our life are so great but because the God in our life is so great. Because that God loved us when we were a teddy. We were no better than that. Our God was kind and good and long-suffering to us. And we're going to follow that example in all the people that we see. Oh, what joy it is to get a letter from someone like Teddy. I know probably most people don't actually send them. But oh God, that we would be the ones that are responsible for turning people's lives around because of the fruit of long suffering in our life. Thank you for the help that you give us to recognize not only the Teddies, but the others who just need us to love them just need us to long suffer. Bear with their infirmities and weaknesses and just love them. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.